you're listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Hello and welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. I am your host Gemma and we are continuing in our series of interviews with our TFN board members from across the region talking all things transport, investment, levelling up and more. Today I am joined by Councillor Hans Mundry. He is the Cabinet Member for Transport at Warrington Borough Council. Welcome to the podcast. Hi Gemma. How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. Jolly good. Um, the sun's shining here in Warrington where we are, so um, life is feeling uh, on the up, hopefully. Um, give us um, an introduction to yourself, Councillor Mundry, um, and a little bit about uh, Warrington and your work at the Borough Council. Right, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, so I live in Latchford, Latchford East, the ward I represent. I've represented this ward for 26 years. I got involved in politics mainly by accident because I was a community activist first. So I was working in the community, volunteering my time. And then I got asked to say, somebody said, stand for, stand, why don't you stand for council? You're doing all this work. I thought, I don't know what a councillor does mm-hmm. and at that time. So I said, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it. If I don't like it, I'll just pack it in. And uh, that's 26 years ago. So I've been, I've been doing it ever since then. So I, I like what I do. I like making a difference and I like, I like su- supporting and uh, improving the area that I live and obviously where I live in Latchford and then I represent that to where I live in Warrington and then obviously the northwest so I try to do my best to improve things for people all all, all over. Fantastic well I'm uh, glad that you uh, you stuck with it and you're you're still going strong uh, 26 years later that's uh, great to know that you've found uh, a, re- a real passion for it. Um, Let's start by um, having a look at some of the biggest challenges um, around Warrington in particular um, regarding transport investment and connectivity. What would you say those biggest challenges have been for the area? I think the ones we're facing at present is the the Castleford Corridor. I think we've been waiting for a decision for five years for that to happen. Obviously, the problems with Manchester Piccadilly and the improvements to Oxford Road need, need to actually have a decision made on them looking at the two platforms at Piccadilly Station. The knock-on effect from Manchester is uh, it reduces the, the amount of trains that can come through Warrington and Warrington people can use. So it has a massive impact, not only in Manchester, but all, all over the northwest. And obviously Warrington picks up on that. And particularly looking at the uh, the, the solutions they get into that, so I think the Manchester Recovery Task Force, I think re- reducing the trains coming through Warrington isn't very helpful at all for us. And it's got actually because we're a town that's up and coming. We're a growing town. We have a lot of uh, economic benefits from Warrington, which we can actually share around and improve our town. And we're being hampered by the indecision, basically five years waiting for a decision, and uh, under investment in that, that particular area. For sure, yeah. And I, I know that many people, when they talk about the congestion issues around Manchester the point that they make is that it's not just Manchester itself that it that it impacts it's um it's the wider network and and really right across the the, the region really certainly over to to, to <coughs> Yorkshire um we're very lucky in Warrington um we've, we're on both of the um train lines into Manchester so generally speaking we do have good options and we're also um blessed as it were with uh, with motorway connectivity as well um 
how 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 does the how does the road network and the rail network um work together for for towns like Warrington? I think we, we end up uh, the rail network. We need that. We need that improving because of uh, we try to become a bottleneck. We could do in danger becoming a bottleneck with the road network. So the motorways were pretty well serviced, but at present traveling everything everything through Warrington town centre isn't helpful to for anybody at all. If you're not visiting town centre, you're just passing passing through and going to the other side of Warrington. You still got to through. You still got to go through the centre, whichever way you come into it. And that's why the Western Link's very important to us. We get to another high level crossing. That's that's def desperately needed. I think it's been needed since before I was born, but it's a bit something people people have been pushing for. Um, when it comes to decision to when it comes to time to make a decision on it, no everybody wants it apart from the people who live near it. So every, you know, it's, everybody knows it's needed. It's uh, common sense it needs to be done. And then I think the way Warrington's gone about it, we found the route there where we're only disturbing four households so we managed to get the full length of that road that, that new road link road through there we've only disturbing four households which which is really a marvelous job i didn't think officers could come up with a, a scheme like that but it really does fit fit the bud fit the needs of the town i think that'll be much improved particularly uh with 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 road movements through warrington so it's, it's a massive thing for us and i think we're, we're well on the way to, to coming up to the second stage of that and starting it in 2022 so the Western Link's a big thing for us. I think everyone's seen the benefits of it, the rationale behind it, the reasoning behind it, all the arguments about why it should be there stand out a mile. Yeah, for sure. I know where uh, I've noticed the uh, the work so far, and uh, yeah, even with uh, less traffic on the roads, it's definitely uh, uh, definitely an improvement happening there already. Um, what would you say um, are some of the um, historical challenges that we're facing more widely across the northwest and and as a region with regards to um, transport and um, and other investment areas? I think the the biggest thing is uh, we, when when looking at the rail is we're trying to take tra traffic off the road. So I think freight travel and freight movements is important. I think it'd be more important to make best use of our waterways and get to waterways up, up and running. I think Port Warrington is one option, there's Port Salford, there's a deep port in Liverpool. But obviously the connectivity from rail and freight is, is, is imperative to go alongside that. Otherwise, it, it just puts more more tough traffic on the roads. I think we don't want traffic on the roads. And I mean, in some cases, once, the, once you come off the, the actual the, uh, the freight trains, you've got to go on to, to, to wagons to get back, to get around to where you need to go to. But I think to minimise that and maximise the actual uh, boat travel, rail travel, connectivity, and then minimise the actual uh, amount of trucks you need or the amount of miles they have to travel, I think it's good, particularly for developing areas in, in, the, in the north. I think that's going to be imperative going forward, is make best use of the resources that that's already to our hands and don't reinvent stuff. We don't need new roads that's taking new roads. We need a new way of using what we've already got. I think that that's a really um, insightful point and particularly with a, around the use of the waterways and again that's something that we're um, we know about very well in Warrington with the uh, Manchester Ship Canal running running through us and um, the swing bridges that, um, that don't oh, yeah. always swing as they should that's probably not a rabbit hole that we uh, that we want to go down today but um, and you're absolutely right the importance of, um, of freight 
um, can't be underestimated um, and how that ties into uh, decarbonisation as well, which again is, is uh, possibly something we'll touch a bit more on um, as, as we go along. Yeah, well, with the swing bridges, I think we've been heavily involved with, with uh, negotiations of reducing the swings. I think uh, they're 50% less peak, peak movements now in Warrington than previously. And that's because of negotiations that Warrington Council's held up with Peel to, to, to achieve that. And I think Peel are now using longer, deeper, deeper boats to get through so they don't have to swing the bridges as, as often and still get the freight through. So it's something we have worked on. The council's got no control over it. We don't own the bridges. We'd have no control over the movements of the bridges, but we recognise it's important to residents of Warrington. So we opened up negotiations as soon as we possibly could to try and get the best deal that we, that we could do with Peel Peel, who actually do own the bridges. I think we're going to get them to paint the bridges. We're going to get them to improve the bridges. And I think the uh, people don't seem to, we just seem to do, we achieve things and then it gets forgotten. So people don't remember the, the bridges swinging, how, many, how often they swung and traffic, traffic jams at peak times. It doesn't happen as often. And that's because we've negotiated with Peel to try and minimise that. So we, we, I, am, I am averse to it. I mean, I've been working on it quite hard with actually no powers and no powers or control, just the power of negotiation. I, I think you're absolutely right. I've lived in Warrington for uh, four and a half years and obviously pandemic aside, absolutely anecdotally i can you know think of far fewer traffic jams coming through to to the stockton heathway than you know when i first moved here a few years ago so yeah absolutely changes um, and improvements being made there um let's talk a little bit bigger picture um and we're uh, talking about levelling up um, in this in this podcast series um, and everyone's talking about levelling up. It's been the, the buzz phrase of the past year or so. Um, everybody wants to be seen to be doing their part for levelling up. What what would you put as the as the main priorities to to level up the north? What what do you want to see happen to achieve that goal? Well, I think I think there's some movement on the motorways, which is which is encouraging. Uh, we've got less movement on the rail, I think, because some of the prop, some of the issues that are going forward is we want proper investment in the north. We've had, we've seen massive investments in the south of England coming through. The worrying thing we've got is that they started at the wrong end, of, wrong end of the country, and we're going to get what's left. And that's the concern we've got. It's so it's, it's up north, so we'll have to make do amend with what we've got left and get the best schemes in. Not the best schemes in the more affordable schemes and with what funds the government's got left. I think that's the wrong way to do things. We've got a massive opportunity in the north with a uh, major investment that's going to last us 100, 100 years and let's get it right, let's not make mistakes, let's not be cheap and, and cut corners and actually put the schemes in that the people need rather than what the government wants to pay. I know it's a bit controversial but what we do need is proper investment. If you're going to level up, level up properly and make sure that the needs of the North are met with the investment. Absolutely, and that, that's um, again one of those those key talking points and, and yourself and, and the uh, the other TFN members have been very vocal um, over the months about addressing that North-South uh, imbalance in funding. We had changes to the Green Book appraisal method announced towards the end of last year, which will hopefully shift the balance in terms of which projects um, are giving the best outcomes and therefore are more likely to get funded. And, and we're all um, hopeful and optimistic that, that 
that will help to bring more money up north. Um, we've also talked of, you know, Treasury and Investment Bank and other things coming um, up north as well. How important do you think that is in, in getting more, more funding for our region? It's, 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 it shouldn't make a difference, really, but in reality, people are people and make decisions about uh, how they're affected. So they might be able to see things firsthand. I think the one of the one of the um, things that sort of people think about is people down people down south making decisions for people up north, and it seems that's way it's uh, it seems to come across is that and that's why the south get more funding there. They get more better schemes put in place where people have been involved in it. And what we're looking at is uh, transport for the north. We've got the leaders of the north. They were actually looking at the needs of our area, how it's going to improve and improve it for the people of the area, and then how much of their decision making actually gets taken on board. Will it lie with somebody who doesn't even live in the area actually deciding how much funds the North gets, which schemes get agreed? Would it actually be the people who live here and know and, and live through the, the, uh, the circumstances be the ones influence the decision? Or would it be somebody who's never been in the North who actually makes a decision on it? That's the concerns we've got. You mentioned the Treasury, and that's what we try to work out is, is it going to be a proper thought through schemes that people that people from the rail industry have been working on and working up the schemes, or is it going to be financially led? If you've got the best scheme that can deliver what you need, it's going to create jobs, it's going to create opportunity, it's going to create benefits for the North for many years to come. But unfortunately, the decisions made by somebody in Treasury who doesn't 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 understand what we're trying to achieve. That brings me on to talking about um, transport for the north as the voice for the region and, and very clearly the strength of a, a body such as us is about bringing everybody together to speak with one voice to say, this is the insight and the experience and the on the ground knowledge that we have about what we need. Therefore, you know, we're in the best place to 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 set out those plans. What's been your experience um, on the Transport for the North board and, and, and how do you see us taking things uh, forward from here? Well, I think it's been it's very, very challenging because obviously there's lots of issues over the north over the north and we don't always agree on everything or the best ways forward but once we've negotiated and, and talked to each other and thrashed out compromises all the way down all the way down i think we're sort of genuinely looking for the best interest for the whole of the north rather than certain certain areas and i think that's why we managed to talk more in one voice because we, we understand each other's issues and we can compromise and say well actually we could do a little less of that and you need a bit more of this so we, we have done conversations and they're, they're quite frank conversations but we get we, we sort of get there so, so the, the unhelpful bit of that is that uh, how much account is that taken of so i think uh, from the start of the scheme we, we was actually told to find out be aspirational look for the change that's going to benefit the north and then we're looking at 100 years in the future so not only fix the problems for now, but fix them for the future as well. And that's what we've been looking at. Some of the concerns we've got is that it's going to be the, it's going to be a budget that that's, uh, hampers or even takes away a lot of that work. And uh, it would be more helpful if we was given an envelope of what we had to work with at the start of it, instead of giving an open checkbook and saying, look, look at look what look what needs what your needs are. Don't worry about the money. 
just fix your needs and then the two don't marry up at the end. So we could have done a better job had we knew what we had to work with in the, right at the very beginning. Yeah. And I think the, the, the envelopes coming in or the, the, the actual figures coming in at the end of the process where it should have been at the start of the process. Sure, sure. One of the um, key projects where, of course, there has been that um, discussion across TFN members and which is the better options and, as you say, kind of thrashing out um, the best position for, for the North as a whole is on um, Northern Powerhouse Rail and um, agreeing that the preferred uh, route for that and, and, and what that will look like. And, of course, that's been... Um, submitted to government in terms of statutory advice um, ahead of the integrated rail plan being published. Where does um, Warrington in particular stand to benefit from Northern Powerhouse Rail? I, th I think with the uh, it would be the Manchester to, to Liverpool route through Warrington. I think that's our, that's the where we'd benefit. We've got opportunity of uh, factoring growth factors in, in, in one of the routes or two of the routes. One of the other routes hampers us and as us sharing lines with, with other service users, which I don't think would be very good for Warrington or for Manchester or for Liverpool or for the whole north of England. And that seems to be the favoured scheme uh, that's coming coming forward from government departments, but it's actually found no favour whatsoever from anybody on the Transport for the North Board. So the one the one thing that none of us want to see is still being forced forced upon us or forced to be considered. It makes no sense to anybody who's, who's, who knows anything about uh, rail travel and the uh, possibilities for the future of, of the North. It makes no sense whatsoever, but it's still there. And we think it's still there because it's cheaper. And again, it doesn't deliver anything what we're asking for. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. So I think we're looking at the, the 5.1 route, which nobody wants in the, in the transport for the North. It doesn't deliver what we need. It's not cost effective whatsoever long term and doesn't give us any any movement for growth going forward. All the other routes are acceptable. So the, the five two in full again. The, the worry about five two is is that it doesn't get completed. It gets started and then stopped. So you end up five one by the back door. Is one of the concerns we have there. And I think it's uh, we need to have trust and decisions are made that actually delivered full all the way the full length fits through. So it's new lines we need. So we need new lines, we need improved lines, and we need to make sure we've got enough enough train movements to benefit the needs of the people of Warrington, Manchester, Liverpool and further afield, taking us into Wales, taking us into Chester. So I think all, all the issues, all that's there, the work's been done, the rationale behind why we, we're pushing for what we're pushing for all stacks up. And I think to increase the uh, productivity of the north and particularly Warrington it, is, it all stands out a mile. The frustration is that other people can't see it. They, they look they look at the bottom line about uh, can we do it cheaper some some other way, which is which is a concern for us and it's not the remit was given at the beginning. Transport from the office be aspirational, look for the benefits of, of the area and that's what we've done. At the end of it they say well can, is it, is it a cheaper way of doing it. I think that's where it takes away from what we've done, it takes a tarnish off it. What more do you think Transport for the North um, can do or, or what needs to change, do you think, from, from central government in order to bring the 
bring the reality around to our aspirational view rather than the one that's based solely on cost and return and return on investment i think it's it's the uh, relationship with the treasury that needs to change i think it's not probably not in our hands that it's to be it's us talking with government government ministers which we seem to get favorable nods and responses from and they see the rationale behind it and then they go and talk to the treasury and i think that's where our problems lie is that we're being financial led rather than aspirational led and that's the that's the biggest problem i think we've got when we face is how do we get round delivering for the worked out rational needs of the north and the treasury's need to try and save money and i think that's why we're thinking it started at the wrong end because the, the money's already been spent in the south so by the time it gets to us, we end up with make do amend options with what's left rather than what's needed. Absolutely. So how much confidence do you have in this um, change to the Green Book appraisal method that we uh, touched on earlier? Um, it doesn't feel like you're, um, you're certain or you're assured that that's actually going to make a difference and, and help bring more investment up north. It's, it's, a, it's a question of who influence it. I think how much influence Transport for the North has, and I think we've been sort of sidelined a little bit. And then we we wanted to make our announce our announcements. We wanted to make about our preferred route, which we've been asked to postpone. And I think that's where we sort of get some concerns: is is are we going to be listened to fully, or are we going to have a decision made for us by people who don't live here? Absolutely, we'll um, keep making our case, and uh, let's see, let's see how the the coming months pan out. Um, speaking of the coming months, the final um, area that I wanted to touch on um, was with regards to COVID and the impact that that has had um, every aspect of our lives, really, and particularly on how we travel. What are the effects that we've been seeing um, in Warrington, and what do you think we're going to to learn and take forward from this pandemic? I think uh, with Warrington, there's been opportunity for to, to sort of look at active travel. So we already had that on our an agenda and was working towards. That's accelerated it greatly. Mm. So the walking and cycling routes. So we're looking at doing doing a lot of that. I think the benefits from that, both health wise, transport wise, environment wise, are massive. So I think that's been a plus from this, from the COVID side. It's been a plus from that, and we've managed to put more schemes in quicker than we would we would have done. Which has been a, which has been a big benefit for us. I think you you may notice around Latchford the, the, the walks you can do around Latchford and cycling mm -hmm. has improved. But to, we've got a plan to run all the way through the town. So the, the first and last mile within the town centre, trying to re repopulate the town centres of people living there, is, is is one of one of the things we're looking at. Uh, one of the issue, one of the problems we have is the drop in public transport. So the bus users have dropped off dramatically because obviously people aren't traveling there is, is how to ensure that we, we keep a public transport up and running going forward um, to make sure that when we do do return to to, um, to some sort of normality that people can walk, can choose to walk cycle try to leave the cars at home and use the public tra public trans public transport with the buses where you can get a bus into town then get a train and connect yourself into Liverpool or Manchester and that's that's important for us I think the links to Manchester Airport from Warrington is massive for us as well. I think we want to make sure we maintain them sort of lines open. 
but I think is what support we're going to get for the public transport and how are we going to recover the public re, public transport we're going to recover with getting passengers and people back on the buses again is a is, is going to be a challenge to make sure we get that back back to normal and get people working in there I think we did we'd like the we'd like government again to look at the Warrington's uh, all electric bus mm -hmm. town bid we put in there I believe we put a bit good a bid a really good bid in it was is unsuccessful this time but I think the doors left open for more opportunities so if the government's listening to this uh, think of Warrington as an all electric bus opportunity we've just developed a new bus depot for the um, Wanton own buses, so that's being developed and built as as we speak. But I think the we're also building in there the opportunities to make it an all electric bus depot, and within two years we can have an all electric bus fleet in Warrington. I think going towards our carbon carbon neutralising program. So I think that's that's something we could also go for. And then uh, we'd also like government to fund to look at look at us in favourably in the all electric bus fund. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There's still a lot of unknowns and a lot of challenges to come around um, the COVID impact and absolutely not least in terms of getting people back onto uh, to buses and, and trains. So, uh, yeah, there's still there's still work to be done there. And, and as you referenced, you know, there's huge opportunities there in terms of supporting the decarbonisation agenda as well and the drive towards net zero. So it's fantastic to hear that uh, Warrington's got so many plans for um, electric buses and uh, yeah we uh, we wish you success in your um, in your bids for funding there as well and um, Councillor Mundry thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today it's been really interesting to get a Warrington perspective um, so thank you for bringing that to us to all our listeners um, please remember to subscribe on Spotify or SoundCloud or wherever it is you're listening so that you don't miss an episode we've got so many more episodes coming up where I'm going to be sitting down and speaking to our members across the north so please do make sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss any of those and you can also join us over on social media to make sure that you stay up to date as well as signing up for our All Points North weekly email newsletter on our website. That's all for today. Uh, thank you again, Councillor Mundry, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you all soon. Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.